Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, A Coach for the Coach. I'm your coach, Helen Williams, and we are building a community of coaches who want to proactively take their coaching career to the next level, as well as build the next generation of student-athlete leaders. Last week, we aired part one with Amy Perko, Chief Executive Officer of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics, and we discussed getting back to basics, focusing on athletes, education, health, and safety. This week, we will continue with part two of that discussion. So when you look at college sports uh, in general, um, in 2020, um, the NCAA distributed $600 million to 350 uh, schools for basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me see, $500 million to 130 FBS schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you now have this, the SEC is expanding with mm-hmm. uh, Texas and Oklahoma. And then you also now have this alliance, which um, the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big Big Ten um, announced. Still kind of figuring out what that means. I think they're still trying to figure out what that means, too. But in terms of that, how do you think that impacts the governance of collegiate sports? Because there's this thing out there that eventually the, you know, the power fives are going to move on to their own, uh, you know, governance structure and, and, and then leave everybody else behind. So what is the Knight Foundation's stance on that in terms of the governance structure of the NCAA? Yeah, this is a great question, Helen. It's really timely because adding to the factors you just talked about, the NCAA Board of Governors just a couple of weeks ago started a process and named a constitutional committee and, and um, a very historic decision to say we're going to hold a, a, a constitutional convention uh, in November, uh, which, again, just packs more um, big changes into 2021 for college sports. Now, what that means from a big picture standpoint, just imagine, if you will, we were back in 1973. Um, at that time, there was a university division of college sports and a college division, and they were all under the NCAA umbrella, but it, it didn't work anymore because there were too many, you know, too many, too, too much diversity among institutions. But that was the time in which the NCAA created divisions one, two, and three. Okay. And aligned like-minded schools. And I bring that up because we are in this moment, I think, of transformation where that was a major structural change to, to create divisions one, two, and three with distinct philosophies and differences. Um, but now if you look at division one and the 351 schools in, in division one with budgets from 250 million in their athletics department budget, all the way down to 5 million in their athletics department budget. And there's just, you know, just so much diversity in, in it. You know, there's a lot of challenges because the biggest engine driving the landscape, FBS football, is really half in and half out of that structure. They, mm-hmm. they run their own CFP, which makes it, you know, as much and, and soon to be more money than the NCAA tournament. Um, but, you know, back, back um, two, two years ago, um, the Knight Commission, you would have thought we were looking at a crystal ball and we could see what was ahead of us, but we didn't have the crystal ball, but two years ago we said we really need to launch a major examination of the Division One structure because it no longer works because of all these different factors. The highly commercialized environment of FBS football, you know, is just impacting the entire model. 
And um, we, we uh, as part of our examination, we surveyed presidents, ADs, commissioners in Division One, and they had a lot of differing thoughts about a lot of big topics. But the one um, issue that there was almost unanimous agreement about uh, was that they we needed to find a way to keep the March Madness tournaments in their current formats. Um, and, and that really is, you know, the March Madness tournaments, that's the glue that holds everything division one together. Um, mm. You know, because a hundred percent of all division one schools offer men's and women's basketball, you know, 38% of them offer FBS football. Um, so okay. that is the one sport. That's why you have, you know, really division one, that's the glue that holds it all together. Um, and so, you know, we, the Knight Commission, we've offered our own kind of major changes that we think should happen. And, and just briefly in terms of uh, where, where we would like to see the future going is that there be a new entity uh, created to govern the sport of FBS football and that be separated from the NCAA. Because again, the college football playoff is run outside the NCAA. The NCAA doesn't get any money from major college football. And that's a real uh, disconnect. People don't. That they, is because everybody thinks it's like the, NCAA, the March Madness that that money is distributed amongst all D1, but it only goes to FBS schools, correct? No. The, well, the March, oh, the, the CFP the, money. Yeah, CFP. Oh, yeah, yeah. The CFP money only goes to the FBS schools. Right. Correct. But the March Madness money is is divided, goes, goes to everyone, and there's a number of different principles and and you know that that controls who who gets how much and why. Um, but the uh, the CFP money and, and this is a, an issue that we've we've identified that we we think is is not fair in terms of the current structure and you know the NCAA as an example uh, the March Madness revenues that the NCAA um, generates uh, that funds a lot of different expenses on a national level for football like football officiating like concussion lawsuits like concussion ah, research okay. and so you know in our view uh those types of football related expenses need to be covered by the college football playoff revenues um makes sense it makes sense and it's just a real it's an example of a structure that a big structure that was created and then later you know this there was a consolidation of football bowl games and 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 later this national championship was created for football outside of the system and the system inside never changed so um you know i think that's a major question we hope that the constitutional committee will, will look at because we do think with with some other changes we've suggested that the NCA could function um, a lot better uh, moving forward under a reorganized system with, again, football having its own entity and its own structure. Um, and then that way the NCA can be focused on basketball and the 30 other sports for which it runs championships. So you mean football as a whole, not just the Power Five? FBS football. I should say FBS okay. Uh, so, so the NCAA would continue to to run, you know, FCS football at the Division One level, uh, Division Two football, Division Three football. And again, important distinction that people don't realize, but the Division One March Madness basketball, men's basketball tournament generates the revenue 
that provides funding to, for the NCAA to host a Division Three football championship. Seems a little, you know, but that's where the that's yeah. where the money comes from. But so so at its core, we're just looking for a a a, a structural model that that is fair and and really aligns with the way college sports has developed and, and is aligned with kind of the 2021 realities, if you will, of you know a a, um, a very lucrative. Uh, basketball tournament run by the NCAA, and then separately a very lucrative CFP uh, run by the FBS conferences, and um, and then have a more responsibility um, um, in terms of the revenue distributions and where that money's going, uh, with all the media money being made by the Power Five conferences. Yeah, and I think that's. A big point is that media is driving a lot of this, the the, the media revenue. Um, I'm curious, though, about the quote unquote group of six. Like where 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 would they be? Because they're not power five and, mm -hmm. and they're not, you know, um, I guess they mid-level, low-level D1. So they're mm -hmm. just sort of in between. How, how do you think where would they fit? Yeah, well, again, in our model, um, our model is specific to, you know, the sport of FBS football. So all the division one schools would still remain, you know, affiliated with the NCAA in basketball and all the other sports. Um, but we have 10 FBS conferences. Five of those are power five. The other five are group of five. And I think for those group of five um, FBS um, conferences and schools, there are some of them that are going to face, you know, some philosophical and financial questions mm -hmm. um, sooner rather than later about whether they can continue to afford to be in FBS and what are the what are the you know benefits of that affiliation and would it be better to affiliate with, as an example, FCS Division One? Um, but I think you know on the big picture side, Helen, I think you know. Everyone needs to expect, you know, some pretty significant changes coming forward out of the Constitution Committee by the end of the year and, and then for a vote in January. So things are moving quickly. But from the Knight Commission standpoint, the, the again, the focus, what our focus is, is putting forward solutions that will enable uh, the focus to be on athletes' education, health, safety, and success. And we've yeah. gotten away from that in the revenue distributions. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, in my view, the Power Five has gotten away from its core focus because they're just, they're just in a race to generate more revenue. And we have data that shows, you know, that the additional revenues are generated by uh, switching conferences to get more media money is not necessarily adding more sports or not necessarily adding more opportunity. And, and for this model to survive, that's what the money has to go towards. It has to go towards uh, opportunity, gender equity, racial equity, graduation rates, all those things that we say uh, college sports uh, should represent and should strive for. Well, per usual, perfect pass to your teammate. Um, Want to talk about the pivot a little bit here and talk about the the racial equity. You you recently had a um, you know a, a virtual town hall and you put out a report on mm -hmm. the racial reckoning in in college sports. And 
I'm going to read here the four things that were, um, you know, that came out of that. One was uh, closing the educational opportunity gaps to create equitable pathways for black college athletes success during and after college. Uh, holding institutions accountable in recruitment and hiring to achieve diversity and equity in athletics leadership, investing in programs that support and enhance Black athletes' college experience and promote inclusion and belonging, and creating more equitable opportunities for Black college athletes to assume leadership roles, uh, especially in advocacy and governance. So I, I want to focus first on the, the holding institutions accountable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's a great concept. Obviously, we know that, you know, we have uh, more athletes of color who are the major drivers of the success of the athlete, athletic, um, mm -hmm. uh, athlete, athletic departments. But you do not see that reflected uh, administratively. You do not see that reflected uh, on the coaching level, although, uh, you know, for basketball this year, there have been more coaches of color on men's and women's that have been hired. Mm -hmm. Football continues to be that net old boy network or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm -hmm. And it hasn't really changed that much. So mm -hmm. while it's a great concept, how do you, how is this implemented? Because you technically can't tell a school who mm -hmm. to hire, right? Um, obviously, if it's important to them, they'll be intentional about it. Um, but there's also a lot of, um, you know, a lot of talking and not a lot of doing amongst a lot of the athletic departments. So how do you hold them accountable for that concept without being able to tell them you, you guys have to hire whomever. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a great question. And, and that um, area of our, our work, really, we looked at a lot of data. We looked at a lot of different initiatives that are happening um, on the AD level and on the coaching level. And one of the things we put forward in our report and, and let me pause too, to, to really, give a shout out to Lynn Elmore. He served as a chair of our task force. And then two of our younger members, Jacques McClendon, who's uh, the director of football at the LA Rams. He played football at uh, Tennessee. And uh, Shantiana Keys, who, who played college basketball at Georgia College, and she's actually uh, works as the education manager at the WBCA. They were the co-chairs um, for, for this work. But one of the recommendations in that area, Helen, to address athletics leadership was to champion uh, that that all conferences should should adopt the Russell Rule, which is a rule that uh, was initiated by Gloria uh, Navarez, the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, and the West Coast Conference presidents have put that into place. Basically, that requires each uh, each school to include uh, a member of a traditionally underrepresented community in the final candidate pool in any coaching search for athletic director, senior woman administrator, head coach, and assistant coaches. So uh, they have to, each school has to report, um, you know, for every, every search that they do in those leadership categories, they have to report to the conference office how they went about meeting, you know, that particular requirement. So giving individuals those opportunities to be in the final pool, uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll see results that it will result in more being hired. And, and as you pointed out, as this focus really increased, um, you know, earlier this year, uh, we saw tremendous uh, hiring of, of um, minority candidates in both men's and women's basketball in, in division one. So, 
Um, certainly, this is not one that's just focused on Division One and, and should apply across the board. So, you know, encouraging uh, those kinds of initiatives are, are the things that we put forward in our report. And, and as it relates to football, another really great example, we, we've called on the College Football Playoff Board of Managers to put forward just one penny off of every dollar earned by the CFP and put that towards expanding the pipeline of, of minority candidates in football coaching. And that's the kind, that would mean, you know, around $5 million contributed towards the types of programs that develop more minority candidates. Unfortunately, they haven't done that yet, but we're going to continue to push because it's an example of using the money generated by these marquee college sports event and using that money to do the kinds of things that we know we need to do to improve the educational model. That, that's a great concept. Um, I, I really like that. So I'm glad you told us about that. Um, the other piece that you have, there's a lot of focus on, uh, you know, students of color and their development in HBCU. So talk about why that was important for the for the Knight Foundation to address. Yeah, the Knight Commission, you know, again, it was to enhance the black college athletes experience and, and to address any barriers that um, that exist with with the current experiences, with the graduation rates. You know, even though we've seen tremendous growth in graduation rates, as an example, uh, this past men's basketball tournament, um, 22% of the teams had uh, what really is an inexcusable 30 point, 30 percentage point gap between their graduation rates of white and black players. And so those are the types of things we want to see uh, eliminated in terms of the black college athlete experience. A couple of the programs that we promoted uh, was for universities to, you know, do more in offering the summer bridge programs that really um, that really do orient um, the minority um, minority students generally uh, when when they're coming to campus. Um, another one that speaks directly to coaches, um, Helen, is in that we've had a, a role in playing in terms of. Um, getting this this work started is to expedite the development of a coach credentialing program and prioritize the inclusion of cultural competencies in these programs. The WBCA is taking a leadership um, position and developing uh, with the NCA that credentialing program. And I, I do think it, 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 I'm told that it includes those types of components. And so we would like to see that, of course, um, uh, expedited and, and, and all the different sports have that type of program in place for their coaches. You know, another one is, is having uh, presidents appoint more black faculty athletic representatives. Um, and, and those faculty athletic representatives play an important role in, in serving as a liaison to, to athletic departments, but also the athletes, you know, see that individual too as a mentor and, and someone that, that they can, um, uh, you know, talk to and receive help from. And so we'd like to see um, that as well. And, and also mentoring programs uh, that would include uh, former black athletes uh, serving in, in more, you know, formal mentoring roles with, um, with black athletes. So those are just a few of, of the recommendations we've offered and certainly would encourage folks to go to our website, nightcommission.org and check it out. We're also getting ready to launch um, 
the major research grant. Uh, we're going to be offering $100,000 in research grants um, to researchers who are working in partnership with coaches or athletic administrators or associations um, to address uh, these issues around um, black college experience and outcomes. Well, you know, the coaching credential is, is near and dear to my heart. So <laughs> I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to see how that comes out. But this has been awesome. Um, you've explained all the changes in English. Uh, <laughs> so so we appreciate that. And, um, you know, hopefully folks will go to your site because there's a lot of really good information on there, folks, that you can, um, you know, get some more specific um, uh, concepts and everything on there. So, so Amy, thank you so much. We appreciate you and, and the work that you do and uh, you're, you're a great teammate. Uh, thanks, Helen. It's great to talk to you and good luck. Thanks. Good to be with you. Thanks. Do you want more nuggets? Head over to my Facebook group, A Coach for the Coach, where we share helpful tips to take your coaching career to the next level. See you next week. Same time, same place.